What's up, faithful? Welcome into the 49ers You've Got Mail podcast presented by Delta Dental. I'm Lindsay Polaris. Today I am joined by a very special guest, three-time Super Bowl champion, John Taylor, for an alumni edition of the pod. John, thanks for taking the time. Pleasure to be here. We were just talking about this, but I interviewed you and Tom Rathman last season during wildcard weekend ahead of kickoff. One year later, the 49ers are back in it, playing in their fourth NFC championship in five seasons. You played in the dynasty era of the Niners. What does it take for a team to reach this level of success in the playoffs year after year? It's it's one of those deals where the previous year, you, you feel as though you fell short. And you constantly had that in your mind during the offseason, unfinished business. An example. When the Niners played Philadelphia last year, now you know I'm from Philly. I'm, I grew up back east, right across the bridge from Philly. So I had to, for a full year, live with them, what they did to us, right? And this was my explanation to them. I said, listen, I said, you guys beat us. You beat us on paper. Yes, you did. I can't take that away from you. You beat us on paper. But did you physically beat us? And the answer to that question was no. I was back there, and they played Kansas City on Monday night, down by 10, came back and won. They played Buffalo that following Sunday, down by 10, came back and won. And I remember I flew out the following day on the 27th, and I said to them before I left, I said, I make your promise here now. Go down to us by 10 at halftime. I guarantee you, you don't win. So they said, yeah, okay, right. So I was back out here at the uh, at a function up at the uh, Gold Bar in San Francisco, Treasure Island. Mm-hmm. So, you know, first kickoff, kickoff to them, go down, get three. Three and out for us. They come back, go down the field, get another three. Come back to us, three and out. We shut them down. Now we get the ball back. Now, six touchdowns in a row. Yep. And I, and I said to them, I called them on Zoom. It was like crickets. Nobody would talk. I said, I said to the, this to you guys last year, you won on paper, but you didn't physically beat us. And this year you found that out. And see, with, with going through this scenario, you, you have to remember, this is the third year in a row that you're playing for the NFC Championship game. You played uh, down in... Uh, um, Southern California against the Rams mm-hmm. last year against the Eagles. Now here we are back again. Third, excuse me, third time's a charm. Last time the Niners won a Super Bowl was Super Bowl twenty nine. I have this theory. Last last time they won was twenty nine Super Bowl twenty nine. Right. Mm-hmm. This is Super Bowl fifty eight. Right. Correct. Last Super Bowl you won was twenty nine years ago. Super Bowl 29 and 29 years ago, Eagle what? I like the signs, John. That's great. That's a good theory. (laughs) I like it. We were talking about this as well. The 49ers are coming off a grimy win in the divisional round over the Packers. It was their first come-from-behind win of the season. What did you learn about this team in that win? They had no quit. No quit whatsoever. And the thing about it is, you sit and you listen every week, every week about 
different analysts how they how they view the game, how they view Brock Purdy. Well, everybody has their ups and downs with Brock Purdy, but I'm going to say this. All he seems to do is win. And that's all you want. And that's Mm -hmm. all you want is the win. You know what I mean? No game is ever going to look pretty. You know, there's going to be your ebb and flow, ups and downs. It's about how do you come back from that? Example. Remember that three-game skid that we had? You Mm -hmm. lost to uh, Cleveland, then you come home. Uh, I mean, you lost to Cleveland, then you go to Minnesota and lose. Then you come home and you lose to Cincinnati. Everybody uh, wrote Brock Purdy off. Oh, he's not the quarterback. Da, 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 da. What's he done since then? Just kept nothing climbing. But, nothing, nothing but win. You know what I mean? And he's the type of he's the type of young kid that the moment doesn't scare him. I want to call back go. to your to your career, Super Bowl twenty three, Joe Montana. You helped complete a fourth quarter comeback. Caught a ten yard pass in the back of the end zone. What are the emotions that you feel as a player when you have that game-clinching play? It's that feeling that, man, I've I've actually lived this. You know what I mean? I've actually – I mean, growing up as a kid, regardless of what sports you play, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, whatever it is, you always say to yourself, if I could make this basket, if I could make this catch, if I could make this throw, we win the championship. And it's no greater feeling to have the label of world champion. That's a feeling that you, that's unbelievable. You know, you wake up the next morning, you look at the paper and it says world champion. You got to have a good feeling off of that. Of course. So the last time the Niners and the Lions played in the postseason predates your time in the NFL. It was 1983. What are your impressions of this 2023 Lions and Niners matchup? Well, I'm going to say this. You cannot take Detroit lightly. People say, oh, Detroit shouldn't be there. Detroit earned it. I mean, they've earned it. Look at some of the teams they beat. They beat Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of teams haven't beat. You know what I mean? A lot of teams haven't beat. Yes, they're a different team now than they were at the beginning of the year. So are the uh, Detroit Lions. Detroit has a young group that are hungry. They're out to make a statement. They're going to come in here the weekend with nothing to lose because nobody's giving them a chance. You know, they right now feel disrespected in a way because everybody's talking about the Niners, the Niners, the Niners. You know, they're coming in here with a chip on their shoulder and we just got to knock that chip off of the shoulder as soon as they hit. Give them no breaks. You got to score. If they score, you've got to come back and score. Because like that answer. I, it's a good recipe. I, I mean, let's be realistic. Look at the speed that they have on that team. And yep. like I said, they're young, you know. So it, it's it's going to be a fight. I just, I just feel as though if the Niners play Niner football, won't be no question you'll win the game. One of the big question marks heading into this game is about one of the biggest playmakers on this team, wide receiver Debo Samuel's got a shoulder injury, limited in practice on Thursday, so it's a positive sign. But 
no certain status on him. How does having Debo on the field change this offense? Well, it changes it a lot of ways. I mean, because there's another threat, you know. I mean, we all know what Debo can do. Detroit knows what Debo can do. So with him on the field, it's a complete different scenario. You can't, in, in a sense, you hear you hear them talk about during the year um, Brock Purdy's full arsenal, full, yeah, yeah, who he has <laughs> in his arsenal. Oh well, if he doesn't have this play uh, person, then they can't win. I disagree with that. Okay, D- let's say Debo didn't play. Next man up's got to step up. That's how it works. You know what I mean? You can't say, well, you beat us because we didn't have our number one receiver. That other team doesn't care about you not having your number one receiver. That's not their problem. That's your problem. So mm-hmm. for us, if he does not play, next man up's got to step up. And Jenkins did that last week. So I, I, I don't see, you know, if, of course you want him to play. But if he doesn't play, like I said, next man up, let's keep moving. We talk about the 49ers' arsenal of weapons. I mean, there's plenty. Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. Then you've got Brock Purdy, who closed out the year as one of the best statistical QBs in the league. Does this lineup remind you of any of the star-studded rosters that you played on? Oh, yeah, yeah. It reminds me pretty much uh, of <laughs> Super Bowl Team 23 and 24. We were pretty much the same same thing. You know what I mean? We had players just in, in a sense lined up. You know what I mean? It was like if this one goes down, somebody's going to step in and we're not going to miss a beat. We're going to keep right on moving, keep right on moving. And this team right here is pretty much the same way. You know, you have guys that haven't played much. I saw uh, Connolly last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you look and you go, wait a minute, where'd he come from? Yeah, it was a nice 17-yard reception at the end of the game. That's right. That's right. Players that came in just stepped up. And that's what it's about, next man up. Just take care of your responsibility, take care of your role, and let's move forward. One of the hallmarks of San Francisco's offense that has stood the test of time is that pride that the wide receivers take in blocking. We saw it in the 80s. We saw it in the 90s. We're seeing it now. How was that instilled during your era? Well, we, we looked at it this way. You're not always going to get a pass. Mm-hmm. The game is not built around just throwing you the ball. The game is built around a group of guys working in one goal, and that is to put that ball in the end zone. So if we're not getting the pass, the next thing for us to do, block for the running backs. You know what I mean? I used to love blocking downfield because my motto was like this. During the game, you're gonna hit going for you're gonna get hit going for a pass. Mm-hmm. So my philosophy was always this: I'm gonna get my shots just like you're gonna take your shot, you know. And if I'm coming downfield for a block with a running back coming, here's my time to try to punish you like you try to punish me on a reception. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta give just, it, yeah. Right. So we just <laughs> we just kept that mentality all along. It was about you know, and a lot of times we would joke with each other as receivers to see if you took care of your block on this particular play. Because, <laughs> you know, when you go into meetings, 
it's easy to rewind that film. If they <laughs> ask you, hey, did you get such and such? Yeah, I got him. Then they rewind the film. Here you are over here, and he's down here. You know, the tape so, tells all. The tape tells right. all. <laughs> as, Bill, you, as Bill used to say to us, the eye in the sky don't lie. You're one of a few receivers that got to play with Joe Montana and also Steve Young. You saw what a Hall of Fame quarterback is. What were the attributes that they had that made them championship caliber quarterbacks? The determination. That the, they didn't have no quit in them. Regardless of how the game was going along, how it was progressing along, didn't quit. We didn't give up. You know what I mean? I There were plenty of games that we played in where we were actually getting blown away. But we didn't quit. In our minds, game ain't over. You know, it, it's not over. Prime example, 89 in Philadelphia when we were losing to Philly. They had written us off. Oh, this game is over with. What happened? We come back and win. You know, that's the thing with, with both of those quarterbacks. There was never a quit in them. And their preparation for a game was unbelievable. You know what I mean? Anytime, anytime you could sit there and you call a play and you know where one, two, three, and four are supposed to be off a blink of an eye. If you leave one, you know four is supposed to be over here and you can turn and throw. You know, that was the difference. And what were they like in the huddle, both of those guys? <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> There's a lot of times when there were TV timeouts and people were thinking, I wonder what they're thinking about in the huddle or what they're saying in the huddle. <laughs> a lot of times they people be in the huddle cracking jokes, you know, <laughs> just to just to lighten the atmosphere in the huddle. Prime example, when we played Super Bowl twenty three down there, I'm sure you heard the story about we're in the huddle and uh Joe comes in the huddle and he's talking and then all of a sudden he goes to Harris Barton and we used to call him H. He said, Yo, H. There goes John Candy over there on the front row of the bleachers, right? Now, we're in the game, Super Bowl, losing. <laughs> TV timeout. Everybody turns around and looks. Sure enough, there's John Candy, front row of the bleachers. <laughs> Whistle blows. Game resumes. We go down the field. We win. But that's how calm they were in the huddle. You know, and that's what you have to be. You can't panic. In, in other words, prime example last week. I mean, let's be realistic. It was a sloppy game. It was a bad game. Every If you look at it, the way the game was flowing was like every time we do something, they come back and do something. Every time we score, they come right back and score. But the team didn't quit. That final drive right there, that, that was the signature of a team that's willing to do what it needs to do to win. And that's what it's about. I mean, we all, like I said to them last week when I was there at the game, I said, hey, I want to see all y'all next week. That's what you want this week. I want to be able to see you in two weeks. I like that timeline. We've also heard that same description of a cool, calm, collected Brock Purdy. What are the attributes of his game that really catch your eye in his last two years of his career? Well, number one, like he, like they said, Mister Irrelevant, right? I looked at I've always looked at Brock Purdy like this. From day one, when I saw him in uh, training camp, his rookie year, and I looked at him when he was throwing, and I just thought to myself, I said, "Damn, 
I said, that young kid, not too bad, right? You keep looking, you keep looking. And when he finally got his chance to play in the uh, uh, preseason, I said to myself, one good thing about him is when he scrambles, he doesn't take his eyes down. He's still looking down the field. He's not looking to run. He's looking to pass the ball, you know, and that's kind of hard to teach a young quarterback because first thing in a young quarterback's mind is get the ball. If he's getting pressure, he's trying to get away. He's not looking downfield. He's just trying to escape. That's one thing Brock does. When he went and upon him trying to escape, he keeps his eyes down the field. So he makes some of those throws and people are like, wow, can you believe it? Well, he's just doing what he's been doing. You know, a lot of people don't give him credit because, oh, he's the last person in the draft. He's this, he's that. And I always look at it this way. I remember when I first came into the league, <laughs> I was called the project. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you live with, you live with little things like that. Hey, mm -hmm. you take it in and you just say to yourself like this, okay, no issue. I don't get mad. I just make myself that much better. I remember my rookie year, and I went up to Bill Walsh, and I said, Coach, I like to return punts because they were having tryouts for punt returners, right? So I walked mm -hmm. up to him, and I said, hey, I'd like to try out for it. Bill turned around and said to me, I'll never forget this. He turned around and said to me, "Now nah, you wouldn't be good at it. You take too long of a stride, right? And my response oh. was, my response was, all I'm asking for is a chance. What do you got to lose? Right? Yep. Fast forward to the Hall of Fame game. My rookie were playing Kansas City Chiefs. Dana McLemore at the time was the punt returner. He let Dana return like the first two punts. Then all of a sudden he goes, Taylor, go in. So, of course, <laughs> you know, I'm shocked because he already told me <laughs> I take too long with stride. I'm not going to be good, right? I wound up with like three or four punt returns over 115 yards and a touchdown. That's how I became the punt returner. That's so fantastic. I always, <laughs> always tell people when they tell you you can't do something, prove them wrong. That's your, that's your best remedy. Prove them wrong. One similarity that I, I'm sure you know about as well already, but both of you have a baseball background. How did yeah. that feed into your football career? Well, mine, it, it fed into me like this. It, it was so funny. I've never played wide receiver in any organized setting of football other than <laughs> when we were growing up as kids playing in the street. You know, everybody wants to be the quarterback or a wide receiver. But as far <laughs> as any type of organized uh, football, I never played wide receiver until I went to college. And what happened was I was a, in high school. I was a free safety. Right now. I played baseball. Baseball was my game. I love mm -hmm. baseball, right? So when I went to college, I walked on at Dell State. I just walked on. I told him, hey, I want to be a receiver. And people asked me, well, what made you want to be a receiver? <laughs> and this is what I told him. I said, I played baseball for so long, and I could catch that little white ball. I just mm -hmm. knew damn well I should be able to catch a football that's, I don't know how many times bigger than a baseball. <laughs> That tracks, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's what made me want to be a receiver. And I, I would always tell people, they go, but man, so how'd you learn to do this and do that? Well, first of all, 
to just look, you know. I remember mm-hmm. the first Super Bowl the Niners were in when they played um, – excuse me, when they played Cincinnati the, in, yeah, in, it was like in the Detroit. Bengals. Right. Yeah. I was in college, and I was sitting there looking at that game because me and Dwight Hicks came out of the same high school. So I'm rooting for the 49ers. Nobody had no clue why I'm rooting for them. They didn't realize that me and Dwight Hicks came out of the same high school. He graduated with my older sister. I played with a couple of his younger brothers, but I knew Dwight. So they couldn't figure out why I'm rooting for him. And I told him, I said, they said, man, you weren't a ba- you were a baseball player. You weren't no football player. I said, yeah. I said, but thing about it is I still love football. I mean, no, did I ever think that this I would end up playing professional football? No. The day of the draft, this is how much I was thinking about getting drafted. The day of the NFL draft in 1986, I was upstairs asleep. That's <laughs> that might must I, be one of the best draft day stories I've heard. That, I, <laughs> but that, that's how it happened. The funny thing about it was my older brother came up and told me, hey, man, you know, you just got drafted by San Francisco. I was like, yeah, okay. And I laid back down and went to sleep. It wasn't until my dad came up and told me. He said, no, he's not lying to you. You did get drafted. That's when I realized because I was always too small to play football. You know what I mean? And look at you now, three Super Bowls later, just there casual. You go. Casual. And see, I'll, I always tell people <laughs> like this. They go, man, you know, I don't see why they haven't gotten you into the Hall of Fame. You deserve to be in there. And I always tell people this. Listen, one thing, I was never a stat person. I didn't care about stats. Only thing I cared about was at the end of the day that we have a W. That's all I cared about. Because first, like right now, I got three Super Bowl rings and you can't get them back. (laughs) Simple as that. Nobody, nobody can take those away. Nope. And, And I'm fortunate. I always say this. I'm fortunate to have been able to play in three Super Bowls and to win all three Super Bowls. There's players that play in this league for 10, 15 years, never even get a chance to see the Super Bowl, you know? So I I can be more ecstatic, put it that way. <laughs> I love it. So in this podcast, we actually do let some fans submit some questions. And I cannot tell you how excited people were to hear from you. The list of questions was about this long. <laughs> so I chose a few of them. This one okay. is from Airboss and nine nine five zero. What made you and Jerry Rice's relationship so successful? Well, it's, it's a team effort. It's like this, regardless, regardless of how you look at a teammate. I'll put it that way. How you look at a teammate. In other words, people. A lot of people would always say to me, "Man, why are you staying with the Niners? You could go elsewhere and be that Jerry." Rice receiver, that's not what I'm looking for. That's not what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is what I ultimately wound up getting, and that was three rings. You know, I don't, I never, I never compare myself to anybody else. I always compare myself to me. You know, can you get better? Because you're not going to be that person. You're not going to do what that person does. You're not going to be able to do what that person does everybody's different. And the thing is, as long as you can get along, play together as teammates, and like you said earlier, blocking-wise, 
hey, I might not have a pass all day long. They might throw 20 passes to him that day. I'm going downfield and block for him because <laughs> ultimately all I care about is the W. This one is from Un Jefe del Desierto. What have you enjoyed doing the most since entering retirement? Basically hanging out with my granddaughter. You know, <laughs> she's, she, she's a lot of fun, you know, and it, it's so funny. People always say to you, and, and you would say it yourself a lot of times, and that is, she's been here before. Just just from some of the mannerisms or some of the statements <laughs> that they make, you look at them and go, how you know how you know anything about that? <laughs> That's so the power really, of genetics. I, yeah, yeah. And I I really basically just been in, in, enjoying that, you know. Um, as you know, when I retired from football, I, I drove a eighteen wheeler for twenty two years. Didn't seem like I did that read long. That. But, yeah, didn't seem like that long, but yeah, it was twenty two years. So I mean, I had fun doing that when I retired out of there, but nothing beats my granddaughter. You know, nothing beats That's her. She's a, great a lot of fun. This She's one's from Aunt, Annie 25. Mike Wilson said, during your era, you all used to play charity basketball. So who were the best ballers on the 49ers? Everybody but me. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was, when 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 I played, I, I didn't have no, I wasn't a big basketball. I'm a player. You know, back east, you can only play during the summertime unless you yeah. go into a gym or something like that. Basketball wasn't really my thing. I played it, had fun with it because um, <laughs> I could jump. That was the thing. I had good leaping ability. You know, when I played for the uh, for the Niners charity team, I was the one who jumped center <laughs> at the beginning of the game, every game. And when I would come out to jump center, whoever I was jumping against would look at me like, are you serious? <laughs> Until they saw me jump. You know, then it was a different story. Hey, that was your specialty. I like it. This one is from Javier367. Was game day fashion as big of a deal when you were playing? And what was your game day fashion? What did it look like? No, it wasn't. It, it wasn't the way it is now. <laughs> my, game, my game day fashion was a sweatsuit every game. Okay. Was that a Every superstition? Game. No. No. It's just comfortable. It just, just comfortable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just just comfortable. I wasn't your I wasn't per se your typical football player. You know what I mean? I didn't my my first vehicle that I came to the game in <laughs> was a minivan. I had a <laughs> that's, that's what I drove. Was a minivan. You know, everybody else, Range Rovers, Mercedes, Porsches, you know. I had a Porsche, but I preferred my minivan more than anything. <laughs> Did you come into the league with the minivan? No. I got oh, the I, I got the I got the minivan deal from my dad. My rookie year, my dad had before the draft even came around, my dad had bought this uh Astro uh it was called it was a, a Chevy Astro minivan, but it was customized by a company called Choo Choo Customs. Okay. They they did truck conversions and El Camino conversions. So I had saw my dad's and I really liked it. You know, had a spoiler in the front scoop, had three little small windows in the back. 
it was just it was just nice. And when I looked at it, and I, I to myself, I looked at it, I said, oh, man. I said, yeah, I, could, I like that. That's what I I'm think. I'm imagining I the most tricked out minivan <laughs> known to Actually, man. <laughs> mine was, no, mine was, I was pretty, pretty standard. I mean, a uh, regular minivan, you know, I had uh, the back sofa folded down into a bed. I had a television, uh, DVD player, and also a um, cooler inside, <laughs> built-in cooler. You know? You'll have to but share yeah. pictures of this online. This is fantastic. Oh yeah, that uh I used to love that van. I had I had a lot of fun with that van. And it was so <laughs> funny. I wound I actually wound up giving it to my older brother. Because every time I would go back east, I was like, you know, why am I renting the car? Why don't I just send sure. a vehicle back here and leave it at dad? So when I come home, I got a vehicle to drive. So I did that for like three years. And then my niece became of age to drive. So I made a deal with my brother that if he gave my niece their car, then I give him my vin uh, minivan. So I we like, made that's it a even, good deal. Yeah, we made it even swap like that. So of course, you know, my niece loved me then. <laughs> of course. Um, all right. So last question before I let you go: What is your favorite play of your career? Slant, slant pattern. That's what that's what I broke into at Delaware State when I first went to Delaware State. Um, I'll never forget when I came across the field. Everybody that was there looked at me, <laughs> especially one of my best buddies right now. He looked at me and said, who in the hell is this reject coming over here? That's what he <laughs> said about me. Right. Until until I got over there and I actually started playing. They put me, you know, when you first go in, you on the demo squad, you got the cards, you know. So I'm standing back there and the coach pushed me in and he, and he goes, this is what you're doing. You're running the slant. Okay. He hits me in stride. I catch the ball, put a move on one of the defensive back and run away from everybody. Coach turns and looks at me. So I heard him tell my position coach, put him on the other side. We're going to run that same thing. Well, we did the same thing. Same play, I did the same thing. Caught it, put a move on the guy, ran away from everybody. So my I'll never forget this. I never started playing at Dell State because they had to I transferred from Johnson C. Smith to Dell State. So so I wound up being able to play the last three games. And I'm dressed and I'm sitting on the sideline, it's homecoming. And we're losing. And the coach goes, Taylor, go in the game. So I go in the game. Now, this is my first time in the game for Dell State playing all together. The quarterback comes in. His name was Rod Smith. Rod comes in and he goes, hey, man, we're going to run that slant pattern. I said, okay, works for me. He hits me in stride. I split everybody. Score. We went homecoming, right? Get drafted by San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> what play am I what play am I known for with the Niners? Slant. The slant. Catch the slant. slant. <laughs> I think I thing. think of the I think of the Monday night to 90 yard touchdowns and they were I believe they were both slants if both, I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, they both were slants. And see, that that was my thing because I I always felt like this. If you hit me in stride and if the guys just on my tail, I'm getting away. I'm definitely going to get away because as soon as I catch it, the next thing's coming out is going to be my arm. 
because I'm going to stiff arm you. That's going to give me that <laughs> little distance that I need. And if you don't get a touch on me when I come offline, there's a game that we played in New Orleans, as a matter of fact, that candlestick. And I just came out the field and I said to Bill, I said, you know, I said, whenever we run a slant, I said, and they roll coverage up, I said, the cornerback never touches me. I said, if Joe looks to the right and then just wheels back left, he's going to hit me in that hole. Nobody's going to touch me. We go back in the following series. He sends that play in. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. He hits me in the gap. I split everybody. Touchdown. The rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that, that was, I always, I always say this. People would always say, man, but you're going across the middle. My motto was always like this. You're going to get hit. So you might as well catch the ball and get hit for a reason. Why let him have a free shot? Words to live by. Thank you so much for your time, John. Faithful to be featured in the next episode of the 49ers You've Got Mail podcast presented by Delta Dental. Make sure to submit your questions to our 49ers YouTube page on the community page. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you can be the first to listen to our latest episodes. That's it from us. Niner fans, protect your teeth and your budget with dental plans from Delta Dental. Get fumble-free dental coverage today.